friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I invite you to join in our call to worship. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. I am with you always. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. For the Lord our God is with us, now until the end of the age. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. No longer will I call you servants, Jesus says. Now I will call you friends. calls us to follow him, but often our own path seems easier, the world's ways more tempting. Through the waters of baptism, God claims us and makes us God's own, but too often we forget whose we are. In his resurrection, Jesus gives us new life, but we cling to the old and familiar, trusting in God's never-failing mercy Let us confess our sin before God together. Let us pray. Merciful God, life can be hard, and when we are afraid or insecure, we struggle to be our best selves. The more we need help, 
the more we insist on fine, the more we ignore our own limitations, the more we deny the abilities of others, the more we forge our own path, the more we limit the power of your creativity. Remind us why you created us for relationships. Help us to see the beauty in one another so that we might encounter more joy. good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ was raised for us. Christ reigns in power for us, and Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone, and a new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Since we have been reconciled to God in Jesus Christ, let us be signs of that reconciliation to the world. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Greet one another with a sign of Christ's peace.
Friends, welcome once again to worship on this Lord's Day. Jesus assures us that any time two or three are gathered, he is there in our midst, and so surely the Lord is in this place. Every time we gather, it is our hope that you will be challenged or comforted or otherwise encouraged forward in your walk of faith. And we also hope that you will connect with others that will help you do the same. If you have not yet, uh, and you are seated near the ends of the pews, I encourage you to find those maroon pew pads and sign your name and pass them on down and back again. If you see the name of someone you don't know, I encourage you to change that before you leave today so that everyone will feel welcome here. As you are attending to that, a few announcements for you. Our overnight shelter has been on a bit of a hiatus, but it is opening again on September 30th, and to that end, we have an open house today at 1 o'clock down in the shelter space. So if you have ever wondered what that room with 12 beds in it is for, or if you didn't know we had a room with 12 beds in it, this is your opportunity to learn more about that. Um, we are glad that we can open those doors again. We do need help, uh, so this is a great opportunity for individuals or families. So if you would like to learn more, stop by at 1 o'clock downstairs today. Also following worship today, we have a senior fellowship lunch in the parish hall. That also is at 1 o'clock, so you can enjoy a bit of coffee hour and then head on down. Mom's Night Out is coming up on Thursday. Folks will be gathering at Canyon Road Restaurant, but if you, are, if you know you are coming or you think you might be coming, either way, talk to Beverly so she can uh, make the proper um, reservations so that everyone can be accommodated. Today we are, is the first of two weeks that we are collecting our Peace and Global Witness offering. That is one of the special offerings that we participate in every so often. It's done in conjunction with all the other Presbyterian churches in the country. 75% of what is collected these next two weeks will go to the Presbyterian Mission Agency for them to continue their work in spreading messages of peace and justice. 25% of what we collect will remain here in the city, and the Outreach Committee has chosen to designate the International Justice Mission to receive that portion of the funds. The International Justice Mission is the largest anti-slavery organization in the world, and it has rescued more than 49,000 people from slavery and other forms of oppression. The envelopes for that, uh, for, not for that gathering, the envelopes for that offering are in your bulletin, so if you would like to participate, we invite you to Find that envelope and place it in the offering plate. And again, we will collect that this week and the next. Finally, on a pastoral note, I do need to make you aware of the death of Robert Haynes. There is a memorial service in the works. We are anticipating it will be in early November. We will keep you up to date as those plans come together. Friends, now let us turn our attention to the word of God. Our first reading today comes from the prophet Jeremiah, beginning with chapter 8, verse 18, and continuing through chapter 9, verse 1. But first, let us pray. Breathe peace into our hearts, O God, that we would be free of any distraction in order to hear the word you have for us this day. Amen. 
My joy is gone, grief is upon me, my heart is sick. Hark, the cry of my poor people from far and wide in the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their images, with their foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of my poor people, I am hurt. I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why has the health of my poor people not been restored? Oh, that my head were a spring of water, and my eyes a fountain of tears, so that I might weep day and night for the slain of my poor people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. something that you love most about that friend? He's really nice. That's a good thing. That's good for a friend. Now, I thought that it might be a little intimidating to share that with everybody. So you think about the people that are really good friends to you, and I'm also going to tell you about some of the people here that are good friends to me. Is that okay? So I want you to know that Beverly, Pastor Beverly up there, she is such a good friend. She is one of the most loyal people I know. And when I need advice and I have to ask her a question, she always answers. And when I make a mistake, she forgives me. And if somebody else gets really frustrated at me, she says, let's remember to be the church and look for the best in each other. She is a very good friend. 
And I have another friend sitting over there. Her name is Anne. And Anne makes me laugh more than almost anybody else can, which is a good thing for a friend. She also helps me take care of my puppy sometimes. She does. And then I also want you to see my friends Cesar and Alicia right over there. They are deacons at the church, and they help take care of lots of people. They help some people get to church, and a lot of the time, they make sure that communion is on the table. And they always do it with a smile. Well, they're good friends, too. And I want to tell you about one last friend, because her name is Margaret. And do you know what? Margaret is 92 years old today. I know. So when you turn 92 years old and you come to church, we're going to clap for you too, okay? I promise. All right. Well, I want to tell you about a couple of other friends because I'm going to read about them in the Bible with everyone else here when you go off to children's church. So one of the friends, his name is Paul, and the other friend is Onesimus. Have you ever met anybody named Onesimus? Me neither. But that's his name. And Onesimus comes and helps take care of Paul when Paul's in jail. And then later, Onesimus needs help, and so Paul helps him. Because that's part of what it means to be friends, right? To help each other when you need it. So sometimes being friends is really, really easy. And sometimes it's a little bit harder. But it always, always, always makes God happy when we are nice to each other and see the best in each other remember all the good things. So you'll talk about that a little bit more, but before you go, can we pray together? And I'm going to invite everybody to join in, so y'all repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for our friends. Help us be a friend to those who need it most. And thank you for all the people in our lives. Who show us what it means to love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good job, thank you so much. And you can head off to Children's Church, okay? Thank you. Friends, our second reading today is the entire letter from Paul to Philemon, but don't worry, it's only 21 verses. Hear these words. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love 
because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now indeed he is useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but as more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. One thing more. Prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the shortest of all of Paul's letters. In the Greek, it is a mere 335 words. And yet, it's still a bit difficult to follow exactly what's going on here. There are three major players in this letter. Paul is the imprisoned letter writer. Onesimus is the slave. And Philemon is the slave owner and recipient of the letter. Now, part of the reason it's hard to follow the narrative here is we don't have all that much information. We know that Onesimus is apart from Philemon, but we don't know if he escaped or if he was sent away. But however it came to be, he is away from his master. And while he was away, he spent time with Paul and developed a close friendship and became a Christian. And so Paul now writes a letter on his behalf. Here's what we know about slavery in the ancient world. Owners had exclusive rights over slaves, including the right to inflict punishment and even death. Estimates suggest that the slave population in the Greco-Roman world was between 25 and 30 percent of the entire population. 
and fugitive slaves were required to be returned, and anyone found harboring a fugitive slave could and usually would be charged with theft. Here's what we know about slavery in our somewhat more modern world. This letter is one of the texts that has been long used to justify slavery in the United States. And even though that is not the takeaway for us today, we have a moral imperative not to ignore this fact, especially because slavery is not entirely relegated to our history. Even if it looks different, there is still slavery today. I make no excuse for how the church has long used this text in harmful ways, but I will take this chance to remind you once more that 25% of the special offering we are collecting these next two weeks supports the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. Paul and Onesimus and Philemon. Paul writes a letter on behalf of Onesimus, not with a command, but with an appeal based upon love. And he goes on to tell Philemon that his slave, whose, by the way, whose slave name means useful, he tells him that this man has been useful that Paul has in fact come to claim him as a son. Nevertheless, Paul writes, I am sending him, that is my own heart, I am sending him back to you. I wanted to keep him with me, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent. Now you have him back forever, he says, no longer as a slave, but as more than a slave, a beloved brother in the Lord. So receive him just as you would receive me. This letter may not be particularly well known, but there is another letter written about a slave that most of us, at some point, have read over the course of our education. In the adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Huck befriends Jim, a runaway slave, Jim is his companion as they travel down the Mississippi River, and Jim becomes not only a friend, but more of a surrogate father to the teenager. After helping Jim escape a second captivity, knowing what the law requires of him, Huck is overwhelmed with a sense of dis-ease and a sense of sin. So he sits down to write a letter to Jim's master, Miss Watson, telling her where Jim is and how she can get him back. Then, Huck says, I felt good and all washed clean of sin for the first time I had ever felt so in my life, and I knew I could pray now. But I didn't do it straight off. I laid the paper down and sat there thinking, thinking how good it was all this had happened and how near I came to being lost and going to hell. But I went on thinking, and I got to thinking over our trip down the river, and I see Jim before me all the time, in the day and in the nighttime, sometimes moonlight, sometimes storms, and we are floating along, talking and singing and laughing. Somehow, I couldn't seem to strike no places to harden me against him. 
only the other kind. I'd see him standing my watch on top of his instead of calling to me so I could go on sleeping. I'd see how glad he was when I came back out of the fog and when I came to him again in the swamp up there where the feud was, times like that he would call me honey and do everything he could think of for me. He was always so good. And at last, I saw the time I saved him by telling the men we had smallpox aboard. And he was so grateful. He said I was the best friend old Jim ever had in the world, and certainly the only one he's got now. And then I happened to look around and see that paper. That paper, of course, is the letter he wrote. And Huck realizes that while the law requires him to send it, the right thing is to tear it up. And so he does, and he saves Jim's life. But rest assured, this does not happen only in our fiction. In December of 1941, Japan attacked the United States of America at Pearl Harbor. Over 3,000 Americans lost their lives, and we went to war. In February of 1942, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed an executive order requiring the incarceration of everyone of Japanese descent in much of California, Washington, and Oregon. Orders were sent to 120,000 people to leave their homes, their farms, or their businesses and they were not told where they were going. Alice was nine years old. She and her mother and her younger brother, Harry, they packed up the farm. Her father had been picked up by the FBI two months earlier, and no one had seen or heard from him since. Now, Alice and Harry were born in California. They were American citizens. Their mother and father were born in California. They, too, were American citizens. None of them had ever set foot in Japan. Alice remembers this being a frantic and frightening time. When the day came, they were permitted to bring with them only what they could carry. And as they walked to the downtown with others of the Japanese-American community, they waited for buses as soldiers kept an eye on them. While they were waiting, they sat down because they had walked over three miles. Harry said he was hungry, and he asked his mother for something to eat. And Alice, she remembers how that question was what made her mother break down and cry for the very first time. She apologized to her children. She said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that I am such a bad mother, I forgot to bring food. So Alice remembers scolding her brother for making their mother cry and then leaving to see if she could find something, anything, for them to eat and drink. In the crowd there was a tall white woman and she was carrying a tray of sandwiches and fruit and cups of juice. 
Alice asked her if she was selling the food. The woman smiled and said no. She offered the food to Alice for free. Alice refused. She said, I can pay for it. And the woman insisted. But I don't know you, Alice said to her. The woman said, I am a Quaker. I am your Christian friend. And the people of my church think what is happening to you is wrong. So we have brought sandwiches and juice and fruit to give away. Alice took some of the food back to her mother and brother. Harry began eating right away, but their mother asked, Where did this come from? From a white woman, Alice said, who says she is our Christian friend. Well, that is not possible, her mother said back. We are Buddhist. We don't know any Christians. They are not our friends, and white people are afraid of us right now. So Alice went back to the woman and said, We don't have any Christian friends. The woman smiled again and said, Well, you do now. Shortly thereafter, Alice and Harry and their mother boarded a bus. They were taken to the Tanferan racetrack in San Mateo, where they lived in a horse stall for six months. Then they were sent by train to an internment camp in Arizona, a bit south of Phoenix, where they lived for two and a half years. During that time, their father rejoined them. He had been imprisoned in South Dakota. When the war was over, Alice and her family, they moved to Idaho, and they began farming again. At school, Alice met Becky, a Nazarene student, who one day invited Alice to sleep over at her house and to go to church with her and her family in the morning. Initially, Alice's mother said no. She said, you have a bed here in this house. Why would you sleep somewhere else? Mother, Alice said, Becky is my Christian friend. And so she was allowed to spend the night. This pattern repeated itself most weekends, and eventually Alice joined the church, declaring her trust in Jesus Christ. Sometime later, Alice's family moved again, this time back to California to start over And as soon as they were settled, Alice began worshiping at the San Lorenzo Japanese Christian Church. She convinced her family to join her, and remembering their Christian friends, they agreed. Eventually, they too joined the church, placing their trust in Jesus. When Alice was a college student, a young seminarian from Berkeley Baptist Divinity School came to that church as a student pastor. Alice found him handsome and conceited. The seminary student remembers thinking Alice was smart and beautiful. So he asked her out on a date. She said no. He asked again. She said no again. But he was persistent, and eventually she said yes. They fell in love. And they were married. Alice and Richard had four sons. One of them is an optometrist in Los Angeles. One of them recently retired as an air traffic controller in Honolulu. One of them works for a nonprofit agency serving immigrant families in Seattle. And one of them 
is my dear friend, the Reverend Dr. Roger Nishioka, who is one of the most highly regarded, highly sought after preachers and teachers in the Presbyterian Church throughout the world. When Roger tells this story, which he very graciously shared with me, he says, I am standing here because of one Quaker woman and her tray of sandwiches, fruit, and juice. And then he says, when I go to heaven, I cannot meet, wait to meet that woman. I want to ask her, how did you have the courage to act when everyone else in the country, including the president, was convinced that my mother at nine years old was not to be trusted? I want to ask her, he says, but mostly, I want to thank her. All we know of Onesimus and Philemon is what's in that letter. There is no follow-up account of what Philemon chose to do. But we do have that letter, which means it was read, and it was read again and again. It means that someone kept it, and it means they kept reading it, because that is the only reason it ends up in our Bibles today. And I have to assume that they kept the letter, because when it was read aloud in Philemon's house that first time, something changed. And so they believed that perhaps if it was read again in the future, things could change again. This letter, all 335 words of it, bears witness to what friendship can do. It can save lives. Maybe even more remarkably, it can change lives. So be a friend today, this week, this month. Be a friend to someone who needs it. For that is a faithful and holy task, even if all you have to offer is a sandwich and some juice. The impact may well be larger than you could ever imagine. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
standing as you are able, and let us respond to the hearing of God's word by affirming our faith together, using the declaration of faith found in your bulletins. We believe in one true and living God. God is greater than our understanding. We do not fully comprehend who God is or how God works. The Lord's requirements are not always what we think. The Lord's care for us is not always what we want. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. We can have confidence in God's coming kingdom, even in the darkest of times. Jesus is the long-expected Savior. He was born of woman, as is every child, yet born of God's power, as was no other child. Through his birth, life, death, and resurrection, he brings about the relationship between God and humanity that God always intended. The Holy Spirit is God active in the world. The Spirit makes real in us what God has done for us. As long as we live, we will struggle with sin. But the Spirit's presence assures us God will complete what has been begun in us. We must not set our ultimate reliance on any other help. We must not yield unconditional obedience to any other power. We must not love anyone or anything more than we love God. We praise and enjoy God. To worship God is highest joy. To serve God is perfect freedom. Amen. You may be seated. Let us come before God in prayer. Eternal God, you who are our rock and our redeemer, our sustainer in times of anxiety, our comfort in times of sorrow, and our sure foundation through all the turbulence of our lives. We come to you in prayer for our loved ones, our sisters and brothers in Christ, and our neighbors near and far, those we know and those we don't know. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, we pray for all who have suffered in recent natural disasters, for the people of the Bahamas who have lost loved ones, homes, jobs, and communities, and for the people of Texas experiencing the floods. As fires rage, storms strike, ice melts, and torrential rain falls, we pray for wisdom, courage, and the will to make the sacrifices necessary to turn the tide of climate change. We thank you for the millions of young people with the courage to speak up, and for the scientists working for solutions. Make of us faithful stewards of your beloved creation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal God, as global tensions rise and we move closer toward war, as people flee violence and extreme poverty, guide our leaders and the leaders of every nation. Turn their hearts and minds away from greed, fear, and the hunger for power, that they may work together to find peaceful solutions and to create a world where all people are respected and have enough to survive 
and live a fruitful life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, we pray for all who are suffering and struggling, for those who hunger for food, for company, or for freedom, for those seeking jobs, shelter, or security, for children separated from their parents, for those in prison and those who miss and love them, and for all who live in fear. May all of these be sustained by you and find the resources they need for a more secure and full life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, be with those who are sick in body, mind, or spirit. We pray for healing, comfort, and strength for those in the hospital or facing serious health issues. Remembering today Luis Rodriguez, Irene Franceschini, and Enid McEwen. We pray for those who are homebound or in long-term care. Clara Weber, Crescenziana Catalan, Jean Weinberg, and Catherine Rossman. May they know you are with them and find comfort and hope through your spirit and those who care for and visit them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal God, we pray for all who mourn the death of one they love. Give them hope, consolation, and peace. We thank you for the life of Joyce Tees, in whose memory and to your glory today's flowers are given. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayers, give us courage, strength, compassion, and open hands and hearts that we may be your faithful people. In Christ we pray. Amen. Now let us return to God from all of the bounty that God has given us. Let us bring our offerings and our tithes.
This is Christ's table where all are welcome. In this meal, Christ offers us true hospitality, breaking down the walls that divide us and keep us apart, giving of himself and making us one, one with Christ and one with each other. So come to this table, whether you have been here often or not in a while, whether you feel at peace or are longing to be made whole, whether you have seen many years or only a few, whether you belong to this church or another church or no church, you are welcome. Christ invites you to meet him here, to find strength for your journey and balm for your soul. So come, taste, and see that the Lord is good. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We lift our hearts up to you, God, so that we might draw even closer to you. You will find us and come to us wherever we are. That has always been your way in the world. And yet, when we search for you, somehow we grow closer to one another as well. When we lift our hearts to you, we are opening our hearts to one another. We are strengthened, O God, by knowing we are joined together, not only with those on our left and those on our right, but with all those who have gone before, including the angels and archangels, saints and prophets, heroes of faith and citizens of the everyday, who do what we were all made to do, sing to the glory of your holy name. with us, O God, from your first breath of creation to the first breath you placed in our lungs to the first breath you returned to your son, Jesus, on that morning of resurrection. Everything you do and everything you are reminds us that we are not alone and that we are always loved. We may not understand all of the nuance and logistics of this God, So we simply give you thanks that you are bigger than we are, and that you do what we cannot. And so it is with confidence and hope that we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We pray that you would come again now to this table, O Lord, that you would sit here among us as you sat with your friends so long ago. Send your spirit upon these gifts that this bread would be marked with your own fingerprints and this cup would be passed from your own hands. In this meal, you teach us what it means to be there for one another, loving one another, creating friendships with one another is risky and vulnerable work, but it also makes us holy. So take these humble elements, we pray, and fill them with the strength and courage we need, trusting that in you and with you, 
This is possible. We pray the way Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So remember with me how on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered his friends around him, including the one who would go on to betray him. He gathered his friends around, and he took bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it, and he shared it with them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it, as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we eat this bread and share this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are holy things to make us holy, the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. Gracious God, in this bread and cup you have nourished us with your presence, and now you send us out into the world to be the body of Christ. As Christ has welcomed us, may we welcome others. As we welcome others, may we know we welcome Christ in the stranger's guise. Amen.
So may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing. And may you rest well today, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of Light, who has brought you this far already, will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen. <laughs>